0: Our purpose is not only for you to know and to understand the King's Word, but for you to live it out in your day-to-day life. Philippians 4 and 9 tells us, Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Today, our topic is going to be Paul's preparation. Let's begin in Galatians chapter 1. In Galatians chapter 1, beginning in the 13th verse, it says, For ye have heard of my conversation in times past, in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, And called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. But I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him fifteen days. But other of the apostles saw I none save James, the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God I lie not. Afterwards I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which once he destroyed, and they glorified God in me. In this chapter, we find Paul's conversion and the beginning of his ministry. When reading scripture, it's easy to think of everything happening in quick succession. We don't always think of the time that passes between different passages. And this is especially true when it comes to the ministry of Paul. Paul didn't instantly do all of the great things that we remember him for today. He spent a lot of time in preparation. Verses 17 to 18 told us, Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him fifteen days. We find from this that he spent three years in Arabia and in Damascus. It's believed by many scholars that he spent this time alone with God, learning and studying and getting prepared for what lay ahead. God had called him to do a special work, a work unlike anyone else had ever been called to do before or since, and he needed to be prepared for this work. When we're called by God, preparation is always necessary. There's a saying that says God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. This is true, and that qualification takes time. It happens when we get along with God, when we block out, all the other voices around us, and listen to God speaking to us inwardly. It's time when we're studying the scriptures and when we're fine-tuning our spiritual gifts and abilities. These things take time. They don't happen automatically, and it's this time that gives us confidence and that builds us up in our strength so that when the time comes, we're ready for action and nothing will be able to hold us back or stop us from doing what the Lord told us to do. Proverbs 24 and 27 says, Prepare thy work without, and make it fit for thyself in the field, and afterwards build thine house. If we want to be the best servants that we can be, we need to get prepared. The Lord will never call us and then just throw us to the wolves, because that leaves us vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy, and it doesn't bring glory to his name when we're unable to serve well. He spends time with us, getting us ready beforehand, We can only get prepared with the help of God. And when we surrender to Him, He prepares us in the way that He desires because only He perfectly understands what our calling truly is and what it entails for us. We might have a general idea, but only God knows the particulars. Life is full of surprises and we have to expect the unexpected. This isn't any different when it comes to our calling. When God gives us a calling, We're given a destination, but the route of how to get there is left as a mystery to us, and this is by design. The reason why we're not to know the route is so that we have to rely and depend on the Holy Spirit to guide us. When we put our trust completely in Him, He leads us in the way that we should go. On the road to our calling, there are plenty of unexpected twists and turns. There's roadblocks and speed bumps. There's detours and all other kinds of unexpected directions. But the destination never changes. It's the knowledge and understanding of that destination that gives us hope, that gives us a goal, and that gives us the motivation to keep on keeping on, even when things get tough. It was early on that Paul knew his calling, but it was taking him in different directions. There were a lot of twists and turns going on in his life. Before he was saved, he was part of the Pharisees and one of the Sanhedrin. He was one of the religious elites with a clear path, a career in the organized church. But when the Lord called him, that all changed. And all that was once clear became unclear. And now he had to depend on the Lord to lead him towards the fulfilling of his calling. This led to him spending three years alone in the desert of Arabia. This wasn't by accident. It wasn't for no reason. It was preparation. He wasn't the only one who had to spend time alone with God. We also find that Jesus did this. He spent 40 days and nights in the wilderness being tempted by the devil. And this time was his preparation for his earthly ministry. Matthew 4 and 1 says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil." We also find it in the lives of countless other servants of God, all throughout history, all the way up to today. First Peter three and fifteen says, "But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that ask of you a reason of the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear." We're told to be ready always, but we can't be ready if we didn't take the time to get prepared beforehand. The word for ready in the Greek means ready because of being prepared, standing by, ready to meet the opportunity or challenge at hand, ready because the necessary preparations are done or are sure to happen as needed. The road to our calling is full of opportunities and full of challenges, but are we ready? These are the two main categories under which everything we will face falls under. There's a big difference between these two. The Lord gives us opportunities that we are then called upon to seize and to use to their fullest potential. We should never pass up an opportunity from the Lord. We need to use our discernment to realize these opportunities when we come across them. Opportunities are there for us to grow, to learn, to mature, and to advance. These help us to go further on the road of our calling. Challenges are different. In many ways, they're the opposite. Challenges are rough patches on that road. Many times they're sent by the devil in order to hinder us or to attempt to stop us from reaching our purpose. Challenges are meant to hold us back, to hinder, to put us in fear and confusion, and to ultimately stop us. We're meant to overcome challenges, not to succumb to them. We're overcomers by design. When we overcome, God will take even that challenge. That was meant for evil against us and turn it into something good. He'll turn it into another opportunity for us to learn and grow. And he'll turn it into an opportunity for us to gain strength and confidence. We know the challenger that we face and we know his playbook, his plans and his devices never change. And when we stand firm in our calling and on the word of God, we resist. And when we resist, we're promised in the book of James that he will flee. But how exactly are we ready to meet the opportunities and the challenges? What ensures that we'll be able to discern and to do what's right? We find the answer in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16-17 to 17 tells us, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God, may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. It may not seem like it at first, but this verse shows us how we'll be ready. First, we need to look at verse 17. In the NSAB version, it translates as, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. There's two important elements here, adequacy and equipment. Let's first look at adequacy. When a person is spending time with God preparing, It's a common ploy of the enemy to start to make a person think that they're inadequate for what they're being called to do. The devil wants to make you think that you couldn't possibly do what the Lord is asking you to do. You're not smart enough, not good enough, not strong enough, but all of these are complete lies. The enemy wants to stop you before you even start, because then he neutralizes a threat. You're only a threat to him when you're following the will of God and bearing fruit. His goal is to chop down the tree before the fruit even has a chance to grow. We have to see these lies for what they are. Not only are none of these things true, but none of them were requirements for being used by God anyway. God likes to use the people that you would least expect, the people that seem foolish, those who seem weak, because then the glory won't go to man. It will rightly only be attributed to him. The kingdom of God is an inverted kingdom. The last shall be first, and the first shall be last. And this principle never changes. 2 Corinthians 12 and 9 says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. 1 Corinthians 1 and 27 tells us, But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. The important thing for us to understand when it comes to adequacy is that our adequacy is not found in ourselves. It's found in the God within us. He is adequate, and since He's within us, He makes us adequate through his power. Only he can do this. Our adequacy is only an extension of his. The word for adequate in the Greek means perfect, complete, fitted, ready. The concordance goes on to say that it means now, viewed in terms of the present, the here and now, ready now, prepared to function efficiently in the immediate present. It also says that it means ready because of being prepared. This is the only verse in Scripture in which this specific word appears, which shows its importance. God uses our time with Him, preparing us to make us adequate so that we're completely fitted and ready to do the work now. We serve a present tense God, and what He does, He does now. And when we've been preparing beforehand, we'll be ready to answer our calling in the immediate present, in the moment that He sends us. We need to trust Him to make us adequate. The next thing that we need to look at is being equipped. In a similar way to adequacy, many feel that they're not properly equipped to answer their calling. But this is just another lie, with the same purpose of getting you to stop before you start. The word equipped in the Greek means to complete, to equip fully, to completely furnish, to supply. The concordance goes on to say that it means To make suitable, fitted because all the parts work together, entirely outfitted, it's used in the passive voice in 2 Timothy 3 and 17, stressing the end impact of scripture on the receptive believer. Indeed, the Bible thoroughly fits and furnishes each believer to live in full communion with God. They come from the Greek words ek and artizo, meaning get ready, prepare. The same way That the Lord makes us adequate. He fully equips us with everything that we need. We're equipped with all of the spiritual armor that he gives us. But when it comes to our preparation for our calling, the most important piece of armor that we have is the sword of the Spirit. The Word of God. The Word equips us. It teaches us what we need to know. It corrects us when we're wrong. It teaches us the character of God. And most importantly, it reveals to us his will, because his word is his will. No matter what we're being called to do, we all are in one capacity or another, being called to spread the word of God. And knowing the word is the key to being able to spread it. We can't spread it if we don't know and understand it. As we read, the Holy Spirit will enlighten us and reveal to us the meaning of what we're reading so that we'll better understand it. It won't just be something that we remember with our minds and our intellect. It'll be something that's within us, which we'll let manifest out from us as we answer our calling. Psalm 119 and 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. His word lightens our path as we are on the road towards fulfilling our calling. As long as we're reading and studying the word, will never be without guidance. It's when we start to wander from his will that we then expose ourselves to attacks from the enemy. We make ourselves vulnerable and we leave ourselves to navigate on our own. We can't allow ourselves to stray. We need to stay focused on his will and on our calling. Paul spent his preparation in the Arabian desert. Christ spent his in the wilderness and many Christians do the same. It may not be in the literal sense, but they spend their preparation time in spiritual deserts and spiritual wilderness. It's at this point that a lot of Christians make a grave mistake. Instead of following the example of Christ in the wilderness, they follow the example of the Israelites in the wilderness. Instead of staying focused on their calling and on the word, they start to stray and to wander, and they do like the Israelites, They turn what was meant to be an 11-day journey into 40 years of aimlessly roaming in the wilderness. Once Christians start to wander away from the path that they were on, they start to realize what the spiritual wilderness of this world is really like. They see all the enticements of the enemy. They see his lies and his deceptions, all of his temptations, and they allow doubts to arise in their heart. This becomes even more of a problem Because now since they've strayed from the Word, they're not checking their doubts against the Word. And they not only tolerate the doubts, now they entertain them, allowing them to lead them further astray. Leaving the light of the Scriptures, they're forced to grope further and further into the darkness, not having anything solid to stand on. And they start to sink further and further into the obscurity of the wilderness. Now everything's unclear. Now nothing makes sense. Now everything that you don't agree with can be conveniently explained away. This is what they call a wilderness experience nowadays, a time when Christians indulge in doubts and questions of faith. Doubts are real, and we all have questions about our faith, but this isn't the way to handle them at all. When we have doubts or questions, we go to the Word of God, the ultimate source of all truth. We don't look outside the word because we won't find any real answers there. We'll just find lies, and our hunger and our thirst for truth won't be quenched. This hunger and this first drives most Christians back to the path that they came from, and they get back to the word. But there's also a large group that allow the wilderness to destroy them. This is why focus is so crucial to preparation. Paul said in Galatians 1 and 16, Immediately, I confer not with flesh and blood. Paul kept what God told him to himself. He didn't go around sharing his calling with everyone. And this is an important lesson for us. When we're out in the wilderness, there are other travelers and wanderers that will come across that will try to talk us out of our calling if we tell them. They'll try to tell us that we're crazy, that we're wrong, that we're being lied to, and all different things that aren't true. They'll try to direct us in the opposite direction, sending us further away from God. We open ourselves up to losing focus if we tell people what the Lord told us. Some things are meant to stay between us and God, and our calling is one of those things. If we maintain our focus and stay on the path, God will hold our hand all the way through until we fulfill our calling. Let's go to Acts chapter 22. In Acts chapter 22, beginning in the 10th verse, it says, And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said unto me, Arise, and go into Damascus, and there it shall be told thee of all things which are appointed for thee to do. And when I could not see for the glory of that light being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came into Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there, came unto me and stood, and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. And the same hour I looked up upon him. And he said, The God of our fathers have chosen thee, that thou shouldest know his will, and see that just one, and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. For thou shalt be his witness unto all men of what thou hast seen and heard. And now, why tarryest thou? Arise, and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And it came to pass, that when I was come again to Jerusalem, even while I prayed in the temple, I was in a trance. And so sang saying unto me, Make haste, and get thee quickly out of Jerusalem, for they will not receive thy testimony concerning me. And I said, Lord, they know that I imprisoned them, and beat in every synagogue them that believed on thee." And when the blood of thy martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by and consenting unto his death and kept the raiment of them that slew him. And he said unto me, Depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. We see in verse 10 that it said, Arise and go into Damascus, and there it shall be told thee of all things which are appointed for thee to do. He got saved on the road to Damascus, and it was in the city where Ananias met with him, and he received his sight again, after being blinded. But it was also in Damascus, which was part of Arabia, that he was told by the Lord of what he was called to do, and the Lord prepared him for what he was planning. Whatever the Lord requires of us, he gives us when we ask him for it. The Lord isn't trying to hold anything back from us, especially our preparation. He wants us to be useful, profitable servants, and he knows that being ready is the key to this. Galatians 1 and 18 said, Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. Acts 22 is referring to the same trip to Jerusalem. It was after his three years of preparation that the Lord then gave him his most important charge of all. In verse 21 it says, And he said unto me, Depart, for I will send thee far hence unto the Gentiles. The Lord was sending him to the Gentiles. This was the most unexpected of all callings for Paul. He was a Pharisee, part of the Sanhedrin, well-educated in all the Jewish law. It would have made far more sense in the natural if he was called exclusively to preach to the Jews. But God looked past. All that was visible in the natural, and he called them to the Gentiles who had no knowledge of Jewish laws or customs and had no knowledge of the God of the Jews. This might make it seem like all that learning that he did, all the studying and prayers were for nothing. But this was exactly what God was preparing him for the entire time. It may have been unexpected to Paul or to those around him, but to God, this was part of the plan all along. This was exactly the purpose for which he designed Paul. And after that time alone with God in the desert, Paul was ready. He was ready now in the immediate present. He was ready to seize the opportunities and to overcome the challenges. He was made adequate by God and he was fully equipped by the word. And it's clear from all that followed in his life that his preparation made the difference, and it's clear that he was successful because he was always ready. If Christ, Paul, and countless others all needed preparation time along with God, we know that we need it too. No matter what phase of life we're in, there's always more preparation that we can do because the Lord always has more for us to do. Let's make the choice today to submit to Him and to trust the Holy Spirit to guide us as he prepares us. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we thank you that you are right now, today preparing us for all that you have called us to do. We thank you that you have put a calling within our hearts and that you're helping us to know and to understand that calling every day more and more as the Holy Spirit sheds light on it. And Lord, we thank you that you have made your will known to us through your word. Lord, we thank you that you have made us adequate because of your adequacy, and because you are within us. And Lord, we thank you that you have equipped us with everything that we need to perfectly fulfill our calling in the way that you would have us to do so. Lord, we thank you that you never require anything of us that you don't freely give us. And Lord, we ask for all that we need to do what you're calling us individually to do today. And Lord, we thank you that, like Paul, that we're going to answer our calling, and that it's going to bear much fruit and that it will bring glory to you. And Lord, we thank you that we can be the vessel to bring change in the lives of those around us so that their life can be changed forever and so that their eternity, just like ours, can be spent with you. Lord, we give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you want to be prepared to do what God's calling you to do, and have Jesus as a part of your life today. All you need to do is to invite Jesus into your heart to be your personal Lord and savior. You then need to repent of your sins and ask for his forgiveness. Then you trust that you've been forgiven and you ask for his free gift of eternal life. Now, if you prayed this from a sincere heart and you truly meant it, then you were now a part of the family of God. Welcome to God's family. We want to thank everybody for listening today. We appreciate you taking out your time to spend with us. If you'd like to give us feedback and tell us how much you appreciate this show, you can contact us at kingswordbiblestudy at gmail.com. If you'd like to learn more about this program and this ministry, you can visit kingswordbible.com. We appreciate also if you write a review from wherever you're listening to this podcast from, and if you follow and subscribe so that more people can hear the King's word for themselves. God bless you. We want you to know that we love you all and we will see you next week as we continue to study the King's word together.